0: As I was rolling on the river, and welcome to one more
1: go, episode twelve, a Final Fantasy seven special. Here's Barry. Hi, and our special guest Owen. How's it going? Call by his correct name, Mister Owen. No, Mecha Gamezilla. It's Mecha Gamezilla. Oh, that's me. Yeah, there I he is. If you say Owen, people might just be like He's just got their fucking mate on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who's Owen? No, no, we have got somebody very special. Who's legendary, not our mate. legendary <laughs> internet superstar. <laughs> Mecha games Somebody's going to show us
0: all up with his depth of knowledge and depth of wit. Oh gosh, no, no! I, I assure you, I'm I'm shallow, shallow as a rubbish bin juice flow, <laughs> trickling down the streets.
2: Mm. Mm. Bin juice is that one thing that you never want to have to deal with. Like there
0: are, you can say that about a lot of things, but bin juice really. Mm. Bin juice on a sock. <laughs> I mean. A, <laughs> Putting a sock into and a bit of wet floor is already uh, bad uh, enough for the Or a nappy full of binges.
1: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh,
0: monsieur ambassador.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yes, um, we're going to talk about video games once we've... Video uh, game? Video video game, yeah, one video game. Uh, now, unfortunately so we are say. going to
2: talk about a couple more.
1: Oh, all right. Well, the main, the main reason for us being here is for a seminal moment in both Barry and Owen's lives is uh, the PlayStation game... Final Fantasy 7, is that correct? That's, have I said that right? Have I pronounced that one correctly? That's there seems to be say. some ambiguity about the pronunciations in this that's game. Uh, I never played this as a young lad because I didn't have a PlayStation, and uh, well, apparently my life was all the poorer for it. But I've been—I've played a bit of it
2: now. A bit. You've played. Where? Where? So where did you get to? Just let's let's get this out the way. Oh, we just got, we're going to dive right in. So no, so, we'll just we'll just get we'll yeah. just <laughs> explain. Your background coming into Final Fantasy 7, just right. quickly. Okay. Well, How far are you?
1: I I'm I'm out of Midgar. I've caught a chocobo. Mm-hmm. I went into a cave. I came out of the cave, and a big snake killed me. And then I stopped.
2: Good. Which is about ge- I'd get generously five. I'd say generously five percent of the game. That's a very generous five. Aye. I think I've seen everything the game has to offer. Oh, no, no, no. Oh dear.
1: And if you want more nerd bait like that, stay tuned for the rest <laughs> of this one more go. But first of all, has anything happened
0: in retro video games? There's at all? Uh, Mega Drive games being released in 3D on the 3DS. So I'm looking forward to mm. Streets of Rage again. Mm. Any excuse to replay that gem? It's three dimensions. Space Harrier,
2: Space Harrier. 3D will be good, Mike. Mm.
1: Well, that one is 3D. Like, that one could work in 3D. Ah, totally. Yeah.
0: Streets of Rage in 3D. Um, I'll be I'm well not good. I'm really
1: sure. Why would you do that? I'll
0: be, it'll be good. It'll uh, be will good. it be good? I'll definitely look forward to sliding the 3D on and going, uh-huh, and then sliding it off again <laughs> yeah. and playing the game. Yes. As God intended.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. As uh, Gunpei Yokoi's vision was finally realized <laughs> for all of us. Uh, yeah, well... That's uh, retro game news, everybody. Thank you. Well done, (laughs) everybody. for being so on the button. But um, as we've noticed, we do have a very special guest here. Now, over the last year, and it has been a year, you've come to know our our retro gaming tastes. You, me and Barry, I think are like old friends to
0: you. One more go, listener. But who is this interloper? Um, Mecha Game I make videos, which hopefully have a comedic edge to them, but... uh I don't haven't dipped too much into retro stuff during the video game series because
2: you don't want to be one of those one of those guys like <laughs> you can say it we we don't we don't mind we retro is a dirty word. Mm, well, I try to use it less than nickel to be fair nickel <laughs> nickel doesn't appreciate the bad connotations it has as much as we do.
0: It's I I don't think it's it's too bad. It's 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 easy to see when uh, it's being used For just like profit or some sort of pathetic attempt to gain a nerd cred for whatever reason, you would want to
1: see when it's being used to look nice in a tote bag.
0: Yes. (laughs) Only 90s kids Mm. will appreciate, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Basically, retro is fine so long as it's not on a cap in a horrible shop. Mm hmm. Mm
3: hmm.
1: So, um, did you play any video games when they were current, when they're not now current, back in the time? I can't say retro anymore, so I'm (laughs) strangling my speech patterns. When retro was actually
0: happening in real time, in the past. (laughs) Um, Did you play any games before 2005? My first uh, game system was a Game Boy, which kept me going for a very long time. All I had on it was... Tetris and Super Mario Land and that's all I needed because, I mean, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Those are basically two of the greatest games ever made. Toy. Totally. Super Mario Land was the first video game I ever finished and saw the credits and it was... I still remember how proud I was when I'd done it and I was in Connemara, my grandparents' house. A fond memory. But... When I replayed it only recently and found that I could finish the game in about fifteen minutes, it, I was almost disappointed. Even though it's so often the way that you replay a game from your childhood and find it's much more difficult than you remembered. This was a case of this is a lot easier than I remembered, mm. and I just ran through it. <laughs> but I remembered it as such a struggle, and I was so proud when I. How done old it. were you when you first did it? Um, uh, sh- I really I really can't remember but it would have been early 20s one <laughs> somewhere in that range um well I I do know that I had the Game Boy for the period up until the Mega Drive was around because I sold my Game Boy and my Game Boy games so I could afford the Mega Drive which I thought I moved on to then
2: Oh, ah, so you weren't harsh. a
0: you, you. didn't have a SNES then. You were a, a Mega no, Drive. No, I was Mega Drive. Up top.
1: <laughs> um, so you, you you had to get rid of your uh, your Game Boy to fund your
0: your next next habit. Yeah, player. and even that continued because I didn't get a PlayStation until I sold my Mega Drive and my Mega Drive games to afford my PlayStation. So I was always,
3: right.
0: I always had to be entirely on the one system. What was your What was your favorite console? You had a Dreamcast, right? Uh, no, I didn't have oh, a no, Dreamcast at the actual time, uh, but I bought one more recently. Five quid, and uh, <laughs> I got the <laughs> whole lot, and nice. it works perfectly. Is, is that is that like five euro rather than five pounds? Five even? euro. Oh, my word. Delivered. They even threw in some game discs. Obviously, this person just didn't care. All. And it had a VMU unit and everything, nice. two controllers. It was oh, wonderful. It was a steal. Well, that certainly sounds
1: like you're uh, joining in the spirit that is fed one more go. Never answered the question,
0: but. Oh, what was the. Favourite console? Favorite console? Um, oh, you're supposed to be professional. <laughs> I'm supposed to be. He's meant to be professional. I'm, I'm the guest. I'm, I don't need to be professional at all. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the guest. Get you out of everything. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, the I'm the guest. And uh, Can I get some more biscuits, actually? Then? Thanks. Um, the uh, best console, I think, would have to be. PlayStation 2. I'd Ugh. love I'd love to go further back for retro cred and impress <laughs> everyone, but uh the PlayStation 2, I mean, you just you start putting together a list of great games on consoles and with the PlayStation 2, you start making that list and you don't stop. Like you put together like about 10 which are the like obvious ones. You just keep remembering more and more. Fantastic games mm. it's just like it, it's absolutely mind blowing just how many incredibly good games are on that one system
1: that 's the thing PlayStation Two is the obvious answer, and but that doesn 't stop it being the right answer mm. um, and like yeah, if you 're going to talk about sheer volume of great games that are out right there, it is absolutely true i'm enough of a prick to say that it's not my favorite because i 've got more fond memories of the Saturn and plus it does make me look cooler which I think is important
2: which is important because for the last sort of 15 years it made you not look cooler, it made you look uncool by some considerable margin but <laughs> at <laughs> least now you've finally come into your own Yeah, uh, well, just as you passed the prime of your life as yeah. well, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the only reason it makes me look cool now is because uh, Barry Topin from that game bank thinks that Saturns are good now.
2: Totally, and I, I, like, I planted the Saturn season on too. So
0: yeah, all the Saturn talk that's been happening on the One More Go episodes previous to this has me very keen. You've and been I've listening to One More Go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I figured if I was going to be honest, I should. Barry, we've made it. We've made it. We've made <laughs> it. It's good. Well, this has went international. <laughs> Fans in the eurozone. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to a few minutes on the train on the way over. <laughs> well, that's the
1: very least we can ask from from any listener. Uh, right. So, well, let's let's start talking about this very special game, this very important moment in both of your lives. Let's, totally. Let's have a little bit of music. I understand there's music in Final Fantasy 7 There is a
2: lot. There
1: is a lot. Let's play a little bit now. So, Barry, tell us
2: all about Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII uh, is a JRPG, released in 1997 for the PlayStation. came out shortly after, 98 for the PC as well. Um, it was the first Final Fantasy game in the series to have 3D graphics. Um, it had fully rendered characters on pre-rendered backdrops. Um, it was also the first game in the series to use FMV, which you may remember is quite a big thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, b- because it, a- another sort of staple feature of of it is the fact it's played across three discs, which became a sort of uh, an indicator of a Final Fantasy game. It's like oh, it's a game with lots of discs. It must be a Final Fantasy.
1: Yeah, it became a like in the way that people talk about hours of gameplay now. Like, in definitely PlayStation era was sort of like only three discs. Uh, this game's this game's four, mate. This four. this game's really badly compressed.
2: This may have actually been. I don't know if this is true or not, but I think it's the first three-disc PlayStation game that I remember.
0: I'm yeah, sure I'm any. pretty sure that's true. Because the first time I saw Final Fantasy VII was when it was brought uh, brought into a home. Just the discs in an envelope. <laughs> and I was like, here's a game, and it was these three discs. one and No one had any idea what was going on.
1: <laughs> Sorry, turmoil. What? Yeah. In the there was
0: no one seemed to have any idea of why there'd be more than one disc, so I am pretty sure it's true that that was a a relatively new idea. Interestingly,
2: um this was the first Final Fantasy sort of mainline game that saw a release in Europe, which mm-hmm. I didn't didn't really until I saw it, so. I was like, "Oh yeah, shit, totally." In early sort of PS1 JRPGs, you always hear about them being dumbed down for the West. Like another stuff that was taken out of coding and games and stuff, so maybe Japan thought we weren't ready for their mainline JRPG <laughs> games. But I think we proved we were because this game was phenomenally well received. It's the third highest selling PlayStation game ever.
0: Mm. Well, I I remember at the time, um, just everyone had it and everyone was playing it, and the the um, the, the kind of people who you wouldn't think would have any interest in that sort of game. I mean, I had friends who were your kind of uh, stereotypical just football game mm. players who were playing Final Fantasy 7 and loving it. Like, all, Everyone I knew who had a PlayStation also had Final Fantasy 7, so you'd be hearing in the playground, be, everyone talking about uh, that Sephiroth
2: uh mm-hmm. it was total playground yeah mm-hmm. i think
1: it started i mean it bec- i think it became popular just because of the graphics cuz the graphics really were a leap on at the time i mean we'd had like two years of playstation and you know like i think wipe and that first line of games wipeout was the game that made people sort of stop and think oh wait this is mm-hmm. a next generation mm-hmm. but this was the one with like um just those those uh, FMVs, like those sort of uh, sweeping views over the city and things like yeah. that. You know, sort of, that that looks like Babylon Five, but I can run a man around on it. Right. <laughs> the whole
2: the whole world is huge. Like, I mean, the PS One FF games. Like, there's a, there's a, a a problem I have with some some there's there was this period where I kind of fell out with JRPGs, and it was mostly during the PS Two period where. There were a lot of games felt like you weren't in much of a world. There's a lot of PS2 games feel like to me you're just running between boxes. Mm. Like anyone that's played Kingdom Hearts, that really made me feel like that. Like you're in a recta- like a cuboid shaped room, and the world is just a bunch of linked boxes. But mm. Final Fantasy VII, like never, ne- even when I played it there, never feels like that. It feels like a hole. and that's a thing that even though there was uh, such technical limitations because you know it was a PlayStation One, some of the worlds in PS1 games or some of still some of the best mm-hmm. like ff7 uh, Suicoden circond 2 like they're they're my two sort of favorite playstation jrpgs and they both have just like unbelievably vast huge worlds that still feel pretty pretty huge mm-hmm. and that was the thing that it was introduced to me like through playground chat uh, friends of mine had it and it was the kind of thing where like they'd swap memory cards cuz like I can't get past the materia keeper like <laughs> can you get past them for me um is this them all coming to you because... No, I never, I never had it. I never had a PlayStation. All oh, right. So I didn't get a PlayStation until maybe mm-hmm. ni- even 1999, maybe, I think. So I played this after a bunch of my mates had already played it. First time I ever played it was like a, a disc three save file. <laughs> didn't even play it from the start. Played the last part of the game.
1: It's interesting thing about
2: the size of it as well. Because didn't that... Um, like, wasn't it originally going to be on... Super Nintendo. Well, yeah, I mean, uh development started in 1994. Um, it was it was intended to be released on the SNES and then it was moved to the N64. Mm-hmm. And there are some like so there are some kind of beta very early beta videos kicking about of like what became FF7 running on N64, but um because the cartridges obviously required like the, sorry, the game required a lot more storage than the cartridges had. Mm-hmm. They had to they had to move it to. And the CD-ROMD was just a a glint in Miyamoto's eye. Totally, and I mean this was a big loss for Nintendo because this is when they lost the Final Fantasy series. Yeah. And never got it back. It's just um,
1: it's a shame because that's what killed cartridge gaming at home. That's what killed instant loads.
2: But uh, you can see why it happens. So um FF7 was produced by the sort of the core Square SquareSoft uh, dream team uh, produced by Sakaguchi of course here Sakaguchi the creator of Final Fantasy 7 um directed by Yoshinori Kitase uh, the music of course Final Fantasy veteran composer Nobuo Uematsu um but this is <laughs> this is where the first this is where FF7 is the first game where there's sweeping changes across the Final Fantasy series. Mm. And the biggest thing, I think, was the replacement of character designer uh, Yoshitaka Amano was replaced by Tetsuya Nomura, who is... I've written next to this, warning, 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 (laughs) because Tetsuya Nomura is the man, he's the linchpin in the... What is now the Final Fantasy machine, which is so far removed from what Final Fantasy was.
3: Mm,
2: right. Nomura's respons- We'll get into what Nomura's responsible for, but <laughs> he's responsible for a lot of terrible things which have really affected the Final Fantasy series in a bad way. So, But this is the first telltale signs when uh, Amano was replaced by Nomura, as character designer. Not that Nomura didn't do a pretty stellar job in this mm. game, just... Uh,
1: well, those hairstyles I think are probably the most iconic thing about any of those designs. Did you ever
0: try and sport a cloud? <laughs> I think I think everyone wanted the cloud at, at one point. But uh, the the thing about Namura is uh, like this. Maybe it's one of those cases where um, there's someone who is best when just not in charge. Because there are, there's a lot of people like that who are very talented, but just need to be reeled in Mm -hmm. a bit before. Because, like, his contribution to Final Fantasy VII seems like hugely important. I mean, just the feel of like moving away from that, the old-fashioned idea of these worlds, which sometimes. Could feel a bit stuffy i don't think i'd have been interested in final fantasy 7 at the time that i originally played it unless it had those sort of influences like making it a bit more not quite steampunky but just like the, the fact that there'd be technology alongside well yeah magic F-
2: final fantasy VI was very very steampunky and then FF seven was more of a kind of cyberpunk yeah. slant on it, which cyberpunk worked for the really worked for the time. Mm. Like that's
1: what gets me. I mean, it always seems very sort of Blade Runner. Um, well, that opening um, shot
2: is basically just Blade Runner. Like.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's got those sort of like little grotty shanty towns that mm. are like you know everything's underneath everything. It's all very bleak. Reminds me a lot of uh, Beneath the Steel Sky as well, which I don't yeah. think probably had any influence on the game at all, but uh, it's there.
3: <laughs>
2: um, on the subject of the theme change, before we get onto that, that, um, we should probably say what the game's about. Oh, right. Okay. Um, Nickel has the official Squaresoft synopsis from the time. Okay.
1: So, this is uh, so is this what they told people in order to get them interested in the game?
2: I believe so. so. Okay. I think it was might have been on the box. I think
0: it's on the back of the box, maybe. I know what's oh. on the back, so I'll be able to confirm. <laughs> ah,
1: nice. <laughs> is this what you read late into
0: the night <laughs> when your parents... Went you off the PlayStation. Yeah, when I wasn't allowed at it, I'd just go over that manual. I brought the manual to a relative's house when we were visiting because mm. I'd rather read that than <laughs> <laughs> in mid- just waiting to get home again. No, not the newspaper, not a book,
1: not a conversation with your relatives. No, no. Just, no. just have FF a little FF bit hold on it. I'm pretty sure I worked Client. my way out of
0: every will by holding that Final Fantasy 7 <laughs> manual.
1: An energy manufacturing mega-company known as Shinra Inc. is harvesting the sheer life energy of the planet, known as the Stream, as a simple fossil fuel. The Lifestream is processed and made into products ranging from electricity and heat to Mako and Materia. The latter two materials can work miracles, granting the wisdom of the ancients to the user. However, the Stream, like most of our fuels, is finite in supply and the planet's life form is being malevol- malevolently drained by the constant exploitation of Mako by Shinra. Although aware of the harmful effects, they function without remorse. However, the real battle lies not with a corporation, but a force much more competent from the distant past. A long-thought dead warrior bent on becoming a god by draining all the life stream from the planet has risen again and will stop at nothing to achieve his goal. Now a small rebel group emanating from the slums must quell the various dangers towards the innocent, and one mercenary for hire must look amidst the lies and deception to find the man he is within. There we go. And that man is... Uh, Fox, I always said Fox McCloud. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been quite a game. Mark. It's uh,
2: Cloud Strife. Cloud Strife. That man is Cloud Strife.
0: The man with the spiky hair, the, uh, I the icon. Could f- I could feel myself welling up during that description, which I confirm is not on the back of the box, because mm. the back of the box is more like, look at this! <laughs> Buy it! It's the best. <laughs> and uh, it's 15s. So ooh.
1: Oh one. yeah. Oh, th- yeah, that's uh, that's an odd thing about it. They the the uh there are some fairly adult themes occurring, but they the uh, the uh, asterisks out most of the swearing except yeah, for do one do, uh, yeah, except for
2: one shit gets Barrett. Left in, yeah.
1: But. Well, Barrett sort of says shit apostrophe like <laughs> they're trying to approximate a shit. Yeah, but, um, shit
2: makes sense. I think just fuck got the boot, maybe. Yeah,
1: but um Barrett, can we talk about characters?
2: Yeah, because uh, maybe in a wee bit we should explain the the basic gameplay premise first. I believe. Okay. Well, we'll so we'll come. We'll come back to you anyway. Okay. Um, so, fs Seven plays like the JRPGs of the time. You know, you have. Field graphics where you run about environments and you pick up items and then you get in random encounters. Random
3: encounters.
2: Shut up. Here we go. So begins. It's like it's the core fucking feature of an entire genre of games. But why can't I decide whether or not I want to get in a battle or not? Because then you'd have to. You have to fight battles as part of the storyline at some point.
1: Yeah, but why Why can't I, like, sort of, like, right, I want to get to this bit to move along the story. Why can't I do that? And then when I'm, like, sort of happy with where the story because is, the game, because fighting. the game would be
2: completely unbalanced and you'd get beaten all the time.
1: But you do it in Dragon Quest, you can see the folk running around, you do it in Pokemon, you can avoid the tall grass. What's, what's your opinion?
0: I'm I'm just so disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> um no, I think like the random encounters works fine because um if you I I certainly remember back when I was playing it the very first time I was an absolute shambles going through it the first time. I I saw the random encounters as a hindrance mm-hmm. and I wanted to avoid them and I'm sure if I had the ability to avoid them I would have. Mm. But I mean the battles that's the game so if you if you game? don't if you don't enjoy the battle system you're not going to enjoy the game because a lot of people get the idea that because it's such a story driven and character driven game that they just want to experience those parts but the game is the battle system so well this is
2: when, they, when they the when the re-released the recent PC re-release there's a microtransaction cash shop where you can pay for levels up rather than having to get it. don't oh this is this, this is your this is alternative. For you this no, is for you no it's no no I I just want it balanced a bit differently so I can maybe avoid the battles it's, and do them when I can ba- it's balanced perfectly though is the thing like I, I when I was a kid and I played through it I would run away from eighty ninety percent of battles there's no run away from the random encounters and then you get to a boss and you get your ass handed to you mm-hmm. just, you run away all right.
3: <laughs> <sighs>
1: God!
2: I went in this without an instruction manual. <laughs> know, I, I'm just like in my head. I'm like, oh, but it's assumed. But of course, it's not assumed because you've never played a Final Fantasy before. No. But yes, you can run away from battles. Ah. Uh. But I'm, I'm see, i seeing. You so would rather like,
1: there's going to be about twenty would, of these moments throughout you, this podcast. You would
2: rather it was visible encounters, though. There were monsters. Yeah, running.
1: yeah. And then, like, if I like, like, if I'm in the mood to battle, I can run over and hit
2: the monster. Like works for some games, wouldn't work for FF Seven. Okay, I'll explain why. I'll I'll get turn
1: based combat. You get your turn based combat, so you can hit people with your sword. Can you do anything else to them?
2: Yes, I mean there's something that we'll we'll come back to and go into in great depth is the materia system, which um, lets you use magic, your typical (laughs) RPG stuff, fire, ice, lightning, um, and then you have summon spells too. Which I was assuming you've not seen any of because you never got far enough. No. Which um summon giant monsters and you get like a nice wee cinematic that goes with that. Oh that sounds quite like fun. Yes, it's awesome. <laughs> um and then there there's other there's lo- lots and lots of types of material and that's a very, very wonderful system, but again we'll come back to that because that requires much. So I mean, this is it, you have your you have your field, you have your battles, and you have your world map, and that's that's really the, the three main things that make up Final Fantasy VII. Um and sort of apart from the setting, like like we said, it moves into a very The opening chapter is very well. A lot of people talk about the overall characteristics of Final Fantasy 7 It's related to the mid the Midgar mm-hmm. section, which is the opening chapter of the game.
1: That's the dystopian city. That's the Blade Runner'y bit.
2: Yes, it's this sort of junk city run by the Shinra, who just where the the all the all the poorer people live on the slums and all the rich people live on a different level built above the slums and the whole first section of the game is you know cloud and barrett Um, they're part of this uh, um, terrorist i mean they're terrorists they are they're terrorists terrorist organization called avalanche who destroy one of the reactors in midgar as a sort of environmental statement and then you know it takes you through this thing of you meet, you meet more characters, and then that, that, that's sort of the opening chapter that establishes the themes of you are an environmental terrorist, there is an evil corporation. But beyond that, obviously, once you're introduced to Sephiroth, the main antagonist it has a whole, myriad of storyline changes beyond that. But mm.
1: I mean, that's something I quite like about it. That it doesn't over-explain things to begin with. Like it drops you right
0: in the action mm. when you first start. There's a there's a habit with JRPGs and I suppose RPGs in general to begin in a small village, and you're a farmer's son. And I'm already turning it off because I'm falling <laughs> asleep. But like, if <laughs> it's just a, a perfect example of how it right from the start it establishes this is not like any JRPG story you've played before. You you've pulled in on a train. The music swells, you've jumped off and you're straight into a battle. You're already uh, a fighter and you're not just the chosen one who's gonna be plucked away by a man with a beard or anything. It's a good, it's a good point. It's,
2: you don't you don't have to go to the village shop and buy a shield and a sword and no, that that is a good point, man. You you're, you're
1: told that you've got this incredible destiny
2: and exactly You're right in, within the first minute you're in a battle.
1: It's so right in the middle, it almost seems like Barrett sort of went, hey, we're going to go and blow something up. Do you want to come, mate? (laughs) They met on the train. Yeah, yeah, it's just sort of like, (laughs) Cloud's just sort of sitting there like sitting on his phone. It's like, oh, I wanted to blow something up, but they've cancelled. What am I going to do now? And Barrett's like,
2: yeah. So you have Cloud, your main protagonist. Um, Barrett sort of, Barrett kind of starts off as Cloud's superior Almost because it's very much Barrett. Like Avalanche is Barrett's thing, and it's his cause. And mm. Barrett's clouds. cloud's the band, a mercenary. Clouds
1: the one that can play guitar.
2: Totally. Well, Cloud is just a mercenary. So you know you have those two, and then you meet like Tifa and Aerith. Do we
1: have? Do we have a problem with Barrett? Given that he's the only person of color in the cast, and he's the only one that has any like dialect or any sort of accent in his
2: dialogue and it sounds like it was written by someone who's never met a black person in their life I'd be interested to see how this was put across in the Japanese version compared to because this came at a time where Square were notoriously bad for translations like the Final Fantasy VI translation is one of the worst things ever so I'm not sure how much of it is down to bad translation and someone being pretty racist but
1: my main issue with the translation is on the first boss Cloud oh very clearly tells you, attack when the tail's up, mm. otherwise it'll counterattack. That's what he says. He says that he couldn't be more clear. And when you attack when the tail's up, it counterattacks and it kills you, and I almost stopped playing the game
2: right there. Killed by the first boss. A good way to start your Final Fantasy experience.
0: But surely this happened to everybody who can read. I'm sure it happened to me. To I did. I I attacked while its tail was up, and uh, I ate laser. Mm.
1: So thanks for that. Thanks for that. But you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming millions of people managed to
2: get beyond that. Right. So uh, throughout the sort of the Midgar chapter, anyway, you're you're joined by Tifa, um, who's like Cloud's kind of girl next door. Yeah, she's literally girl next door. She yes. must be cold a lot. Tifa. She doesn't wear a lot of clothes. Ah, oh, yeah, but. You don't know. There's, there's, there's nothing to say how temperate Midgar is. So I mean, you know. it's
0: it got a massive roof that must keep the heat in, in the form of the plate. Yeah, they they can't get a lot of rain. That's a good point. Mm.
2: There you go. Um, he meets Aerith as well. Aerith almost the other main character in mm. a way. Um, also, Aerith, Ar- Aerith, which we were talking about before we started recording. Um, weirdly. Was retconned that her name was Aerith with a th in the subsequent compilation of Final Fantasy stuff, but we're just going to call her Aeris because that's what she's called in the, <laughs> g- in the game. Same well, way. I'm glad that debate was so <laughs> so hastily taken care of. Yeah. So what what's Aeris's deal then? What she what's she like? Well, she's she's a she's a flower girl. Which I mean, this is everyone has kind of vastly different roles. Like you have. A mercenary and a terrorist and a barmaid and a flower girl and a ninja and a big dog and a stuffed toy fortune teller and a ninja. Did I say ninja? You said ninja. And, ninja. and then a whatever vampire. Vincent is a vampire vampire. With a metal arm, like and then Sid, the greatest character ever, um a, airship pilot guy
0: a, a heavy drinking a, a heavy cursing smoking. pilot Total. who has dreams
2: of space so I mean all the characters are none of the characters are copies of the other they all have their own personalities which I think mm-hmm. is really really good because this is something that gradually was sucked out of Final Fantasy games um, and there's a lot to be said for Cloud as a protagonist as well I think because a lot of JRPGs have fucking paper-thin protagonists. But Cloud is actually a really, really good protagonist.
1: I obviously haven't got very far into the game, but he's a bit whiny in the bits that I've played so far.
2: Really? Yeah. You should probably never play Final Fantasy VIII in that case. Oh. <laughs> there's, there's no chance I'm going to. Because compared to someone like Squall, Cloud is like a motivational speaker. I do know, so... <laughs> But funnily enough, being named Cloud Strife, the man has a lot of strife, and he certainly has the biggest the biggest journey throughout the course of the story, where he sort of has to discover himself in that. But he always manages to be, I think, a pretty good protagonist. Yeah. And there's, important to note as well, there's a part of the game where he, he kind of is out of commission, and uh, Sid... Sid becomes the leader of the party, <laughs> which may or may not be the greatest thing ever. So you get to enjoy that run animation. Ah, he runs like kind of Dolph Lundgren runs. I don't know if you've ever seen Dolph Lundgren running, but yeah. he runs like Sid. Very nice. Hmm. So we've uh, we've been in our big
1: cyberpunky dystopian city, and we've discovered that there's a, a shadowy corporation running everything. And then it turns out that uh, there's an ancient
2: guy who's got beef. He's not really ancient. He's just been dead for a while. Okay. Severoth, the ultimate Bishy, comes and <laughs> cuts a monster's head off and then you basically you spend a large part of the game chasing him around. So and you it, get to escape from the city. Aye. And there's, you hit there's a the world one map and that like,
1: I really, really liked. The game became Road Rash for like two minutes. <laughs> and and I, I liked that because it was doing something very different from the other stuff and that was really good and I liked being on a bike and I liked hitting things and that was fun outside of the storyline obviously I liked that that road rash bit now does it have anything else that
2: sort of steps outside of the gameplay in that sort of way is there anything sort of striking there's so much I mean there's there's the motorbike thing. There's a section where you race a snowboard. You go. There's a snowboarding section. There's a sort of weird submarine mini submarine, game yep. Section. I
1: mean, are these all similar sort of racing sort of things? No, all,
0: they're all, pretty all different. completely different. And I, <laughs> when you think about all these extra things that you can do, like submarine and snowboarding, and I just imagine people who were working on the game all, like such an immensely huge project, so big in scope, nothing had ever been done with the likes before and then to have someone tell you, we also need you to program a, a motorbike racing segment like you just feel like turning to your boss or supervisor or whatever and tell you like. Are you absolutely mad?
1: See, things like that always strike me as that's like the programmers messing around because, like you said, like most of the gameplay throughout the whole game remains the same. It's just those sort of turn-based battles and things like that. So that's down to like the art team and like the writers to come up with that stuff. And it feels like the programmers are sitting around saying, so like, "All right, so we've got the turn-based battle going, aye." Phew. Do I do a bit with motorbikes? Aye, <laughs> <laughs> <All> right then. <coughs>
0: but um, uh, there's is there any other sort of mini games in there? Um. But well, there's a plethora of mini games in mm. the Golden Saucer, which is like the theme park
2: area in the game. And It's for like the basketball and the arm wrestling mini games and stuff. You did tell me there was basketball, and, and there was.
1: Sorry that I've not got to the basketball. <coughs> but
2: there's, there's chickens or something. Oh, chocobos! The, yeah, the chocobo racing is like a whole separate thing because it's a system of racing and breeding, which has like proper matters in the game because there are parts of the world map you can only get to once you've bred a certain type of chocobo that which is
1: like a giant chicken that you ride around on like a horse aye
2: <laughs> a final fantasy staple but all right. i mean that i mean that that's a whole not i mean none of the, not like you look at the the chocobo racing the snowboard and the motorbike and then all the we arcade games like
0: uh mog house now barry something. you're not gonna not mention the uh cpr yeah. Mini game, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, the CPR minigame. game. Um, at one, I was point, terrible at that. Yeah, I, I couldn't get to grips with what it wanted me to do the first few times. The marching minigame? The marching mini game. What, what do you oh. have to do in the CPR mini game? In the CPR mini game, uh, you find there's there's a body of water and uh, a little girl is <laughs> drowning. It's not funny. So <laughs> um, you tell them, but yeah, she's she's brought up onto the side, and uh, a local resident insists that Cloud perform CPR on her, and you're given a a small display showing your lung capacity. Some ba-
2: badly rendered lungs. Very
0: badly rendered, and uh, you push a button to begin inhaling, and uh, once at max, you breathe into the young girl and um, with any look save her life and it's just another bizarre little moment that goes by It's the bizarre stuff it's the
2: moments that make the game I think there's enough like quirky moments funny moments extra gameplay moments throughout the game this I mean, this has more stuff like that than any other JRPG mm. like, there's more sort of I don't want to say personality because it does sound a bit wanky but there's there's this whole fucking the world is going to be destroyed storyline on but at the same time there's so
0: much fun stuff in this game mm. too, it's like totally not all It's an absolute delight mm. at any time like if you if you want to focus on the um, the serious side of the story there's plenty there for you but at any, at any point during the game you can take a break and do something pretty light-hearted.
2: No, you're right. I mean, that's which is important considering how heavy the story can be mm. at some points. Um, Does anything happen
1: with the character development that you maybe weren't expecting? Does anything happen to any of the female characters, for instance? Is there any really important moments that have? Proliferated the wider gaming culture that even I, somebody who had never played Final Fantasy 7 before three weeks ago,
2: was actually aware of. Nope. Yeah, there's 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 one there's actually one really big one where um, there's like a mini game where you play Tifa and you get in a fight with another female character, uh, character mm. Scarlet, and you have to button bash
0: Circle to see who can slap the other one the most times. And That the, is revolutionary. The stuff. the influence that scene had. <laughs> For the next few years, I mean, I mean, I remember I cried Aye. when it happened, and I know lots of other people. It's just cry. after Atif has been put in the gas chamber as well, which mm. is a that's really another little little
2: mini game in its own right as to well. to p- Pick up the key, mm. um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the really big one. There's a, there's a small thing too where Eris gets killed, but I don't. She what? <laughs> it's kind of it's that's no Eris. There's a whole there's a whole nother side to the plot that involves Eris and the holy materia and how it's the sort of opposite number to the black materia and Eris goes to goes to pray to, you know, awaken the powers of holy or whatever and gets killed by well, gets killed by Genova. It's Genova, not not yeah. Sephiroth that kills her, it's just
0: Genova's manifestation of Sephiroth. I think it's the um the most <laughs> it sounds a bit nerdy to complain about, but it's like what people get wrong more than anything else. It's just that there's this idea out there for years, and even people who've played it, just like Sephiroth killing Aeris, and it's just it wasn't it. It never was like. Totally. Did Sep? Did Sephiroth ever meet Aeris? No. No. <laughs> Maybe in some
2: of the extended.
0: Continuity stuff <laughs> only in my fanfics. Absolutely, but no, well, I don't, don't think. Are that... you a shipper? For a <laughs> I'm an Iris. aggressive shipper. <laughs>
2: so yeah, that's. I mean, that that was a big, a big massive thing because a character that central, you never really expect to, to die. And you can like build her up as like a member of your party and have
0: her be like your your Absolutely. go-to like healer I mean, and stuff like that. And going, but all that work. It's only right that it be like that because if it if it gave any indication at all that uh she won't be she might not be hanging around too long don't get too comfortable then it wouldn't have been such a shock i the fact that you can get her to level four limit break yeah you can you can pretty much max her out before she dies now what does that mean well we'll come back to
2: limit breaks once we get into the 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 oh. the meat of the battle system.
1: All right, go on then, Barry. But I was Meet just
2: I, I was just gonna say I was just gonna say like on the subject of Eris dying, there is another character death uh-huh. um, shortly before shortly before that where mm. Sith is a weird character. Sith is uh, a robotic cat that rides on top of a robotic stuffed Moogle that's a fortune teller, but is actually being controlled by. A guy called Reeve, who's the mayor of Midgar, he's a member of the Shinra, and like he infiltrates your party through this cat, talking cat that he controls.
0: Nothing suspicious about that. <laughs> I've never seen more nodding in polite understanding. <laughs> I, d- <laughs> I still don't understand it. All. It's like but but is Barry it? explaining this character straight into Nico's eyes, and Nico is nodding in a way that almost makes even me believe he's following it. And don't worry, Nico. Nobody understands. I don't. It. I don't I've understand read it. many, many X-Men comics. This is
1: <laughs> this is normal. This is entry this, level. Yeah, this is entry level. This is not like um, a British psychic who got killed and then. Reanimated in the body of an Asian ninja who turned out to be a clone of somebody else. This is—you're right. Fine. This is better than that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so he, even though he's like a controlled robot, he almost has a. a it's hard to tell if sometimes he does have an independent consciousness because there's this weird scene with with Kitsith where he goes to the center of the temple of the ancients and he has to sacrifice himself to solve the puzzle within, so the black material mm. will be revealed. And he has this kind of wee touching scene where he's like very touching. I, I think right. it's
0: an underrated scene.
2: He yeah. falls over as well. It's like the music. Ah, I know music. everything about it. And it's like so you're so like really like shit. It's like this cute wee cat's dying. He's like, Goodbye, everyone, you know, I hope I hope I've been a help and stuff like that.
0: Whatever you do, don't forget about me. Totally. And then he dies. Even if another cat said comes along, don't forget me. There'll never be another me. Sounds like
1: uh Sith kinda of fancies himself a wee bit. But then thirty seconds later
2: another one comes along and there's never anything said about it. him. <laughs> it's just like hi. I'm the new Catseth. Hi, and then that's I'm Poochie. That's
1: that. Does he stay in your team, the new one? Has he got the same stats as Aye. the old one?
2: Exact same.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's incredible. But again, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, if this was a if this was a robotic cat, and one died and another came along, you'd be like, okay. But I just can't understand. It's controlled by a man. Like, <laughs> does it have
0: its own consciousness? It's controlled <laughs> by some guy in Midgar, and who it, miraculously manages to always be controlling it. Yeah. I mean, it it cuts to Rave in boardroom meetings at the same time that. He's part of your team, and what? Has Maybe just got
1: like a Tamagotchi cats app on his phone. Oh, there
2: you are. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean that that kind of that really about does it for the storyline and the characters. I mean that's probably explains you, you've either heard enough that you want to play it or you don't want to
1: play it. Yeah, you're either into this or you're not. I'm I'm having to admit that I'm I'm not. I, I've i bailed. I've bailed on this. So, the real... I, mean, I can see why you like it. I can see why lots of people would like it, and they'd be entirely right. It's, it's just... It's no me. It's just not comics, is it? It's not... I do have a tiny attention span, and I know that, and I own it. And I wish every game could be os ending. Well... They can't.
2: On, like... I. I a reason that people normally cite for hating this game is they think the graphics are terrible. How can
0: you play those graphics? are so bad. What was your chat about Random Encounters? I, I knew someone who, having seen Advent Children, full of all those hot guys, wanted to play the original game full of all those hot guys. So, stuck it on, and first Random Encounter. Ugh, what's happening? she'd say. And then another one would happen. She'd say. And say, Ugh, no, gone, off. What year did this happen in? Mm, probably 2005, the year after Advent Children. See, now, I can understand
1: people who are not used to looking back at old graphics. Sort of, I mean, it's a
2: bit ugly, and the character designs with their big Popeye arms are a bit...
1: I think Audit. the field
2: graphics are a t- like they've not aged so well, but I think the battle graphics are still pretty good. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, call I mean, the enemy it designs, it design. the time. But I, they, think, uh, they... I think the best thing. I think the pre-rendered backdrops. I'd put. I'd put the pre-rendered stuff, the backdrops, the environments against anything, even today. I still think they look amazing.
1: Yeah, the one problem in those pre-rendered backdrops is is that so much that game descends into. Can I run on this? Nope. Can I walk it? What bit do I need to run on now? Can't jump up that little bit. You know, down
2: that. If you press select in the field, a wee <laughs> a wee pointer appears above your head and it shows you where it exits from the areas and green <laughs> arrows are things you can can climb up and down. I uh, no, I have no idea that happened. Well,
0: I'm, I'm getting more impressed with Final Fantasy Seven because any grievances
1: <laughs> that are being brought up
0: Like, oh no, that's you can sort
1: that out. The main the main thing that that happened back in nineteen ninety seven is this game shipped with a manual, I think. I think that's the important thing that happened.
2: Well, when I was a kid I just pressed all the buttons and see what they all did anyways. Maybe a dead button. I know in the me. very
0: first battle I was in I couldn't come to terms with the fact that you pushed the circle button to select. I continuously you know that I, it took me to I, get I, over. Oh. I continuously pushed X.
1: That's apparently a big thing in like PlayStation development because like the Japanese they, uh, do, they there's, absolutely there's put a put the
2: Japanese way, way and there's a Western well,
1: way. They, they isn't put it? the buttons that way because like circle means yes and cross
0: means no. It means yeah. cancel. You see that in lots of games yeah. like Bashi Special and so on. Like if you've done well, you'll get that red circle. It's yeah. whenever you've been playing a game,
2: uh, just any game that has it different, and then try and then you try to navigate a Metal Gear Solid title screen. It's like ah. <laughs> <It's>, oh, <laughs> uh, like, for
1: any of our. Football listeners, it's like going from FIFA to Pro-Ev controls that's one for uh, that's one for the big demographic there
2: <sighs> So Materia Oh um, good
3: <laughs>
2: The thing that a lot of JRPGs at the time that I've went back and played, the battles are tedious because mm. battles on their own, there's only so much fun you can have in an actual battle it's selecting things from a menu and the the real enjoyment comes from what you gain from doing those battles. In a lot of PS1 JRPGs, you don't get enough. You get a level up, and it increases your stats. You know the thing. The the great thing about FF7 is not only do you get a level up, but there are new limit breaks to learn, and there are new spells and abilities to learn through materia. Limit breaks, briefly, when you receive a certain amount of damage, you have a thing called a limit meter, which builds up to fill. And when that gets full you have a limit break which is like a, a special attack, does lots of damage, does lots of cool stuff. And there are, for nearly all the characters there are, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven limit breaks. So six to learn over the course of the game. So And you learn these through using limit breaks a certain amount of time or by killing a certain amount of enemies. So that's one extra thing apart from getting a level up that you can learn. Um, But the system, every Final Fantasy game has a magic and a summon system. And the materia system, for me, is definitely my favorite. The way it works is your weapons and your armor have a certain amount of slots. Into these slots you can put one piece of materia. Whether that be magic materia, which I'd said cast spells. Summon materia, which summons monsters. Command materia, which is stuff like sense or throw or steal. Steel. Um, support materia which when paired with other materia will have special effects um, and independent materia which does stuff like boost your stats and other stuff. So through this system, you know, you get AP, AP after battles which levels up your materia. So you have fire and you get a certain amount of AP on it and you learn fire two and then you learn fire three. And there's a lot of material, there's a lot of magic, there's a lot of summon spells, and you're always you're always finding it. And you know, throughout parts of the game, you're always finding new material, and there's new ways to do it. And that's on the surface, that's how the material system works. But because you find like the material like in the game, they're just like wee
1: jewels that you find like lying around,
2: eh? Yeah, they are. That's what what crystallised mako becomes material. One of the, how it ties into the storyline So is there like
1: a sort of something to like wandering around trying to find this stuff? Is it particularly well hidden? Or is it
0: all just sort of finding the A lot of it's quite well hidden It's uh, there's all sorts of different ways at different points. A lot of it's just scattered about there's some you'll only find from certain shops, there's others that you'll only get through uh, achieving certain side quests and so on so mini yeah. games and Gold Saucer for example
1: mm. so like when you were playing it as kids and like your mates did, did somebody find like a really super obscure material and they had a really cool attack and you didn't have it and you were really jealous and so well, you yeah. hit them and you oh, got in trouble with your mum yeah. the,
2: well, the, the two best examples of that are uh, n- uh, Knights of the Round is like the ultimate summon spell, It does the mo- it's the highest damage attack in the game and you get it from an island in the world map which is only accessible from having a gold chocobo which you can only get from beating the second hardest boss, or hardest, depending on how you look at it, boss in the game, or by breeding a gold chocobo. So it's impo- there are two super bosses in the game, and I'd say it's pretty much impossible to beat either of them. Not impossible, but it's very hard to beat either of them without getting this Knights of the Round material. So, you know, if you want to get them, like, I, I mean, on my playthrough, me and, me and Owen had different playthroughs. Mm. Yours was quite seat of the pants. Uh,
0: before I. I traveled over here. I really wanted to get it completed before doing the podcast, but I realized I had I didn't have time to do it. I was raging, but with uh with only one it was two days, I was still on disk 1. The exact place I was at was before your date at the Gold Saucer. And I still had to do all my packing and print my ticket and so on and get everything ready for my trip. But I still thought, maybe, maybe I could just sonic my way to the end of this game and get it all finished. And I, I managed to, I completed, <coughs> <laughs> thank you. I completed disc two and three in a day. Do you know how many hours you'd put in by the end? Almost all the hours within a day, <laughs> but I unfortunately, because of the time before I'd gotten up to that point, I had left it on and running, so wow. I'd already had far too much on the clock. But I would be tempted to redo it again, and oh, no, I shouldn't. You, I, are you saying up. you want to speedrun it? I'm not saying that.
1: <laughs> no. I won't see. What the best thing about this story is, I met Owen for the first time last week, and one of the first things he told me was how he'd basically near enough killed himself completing Final Fantasy (laughs) VII in a day. And he asked me how far I'd got. I went "Uh, first boss,
2: (laughs) and he'd all the time in the world. You you attack when the tail's up, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) So I I'd had a very different playthrough. I did I did everything. I did ninety percent of the content that you can do in the game, and that was that's sixty hours I spent doing that. Which, when if I was a kid, the same thing I did when I was
0: a kid was easily a hundred plus hours. Mm-hmm. So I think you're, I'm definitely. I better remember seeing that timer reach ninety nine, ninety nine, and just stop. Totally, it's limited. So I mean, I'd I'd done everything, and like a lot of the
2: end game content is for getting like high level materia. Like this is the thing, I mean, you can get through the game and then never really go that in depth in the material system and just use what you find and so on and so forth but there are some really great materials, command material especially you'll get like a material called slash all where instead of at- like physically attacking one enemy you can attack them all, you get ass loads of AP on that and it levels up into something called flash which is like an instant death move on all enemies and like, that's fucking cool and you get other Command Materials, Double Cut, which levels up into four times cut, so you get four physical attacks. Of course you, your enemy skill. Enemy skill, which is magic that you learn from enemies using certain skills on you.
0: Um, which is a whole game in itself, almost, because if you want to get every enemy skill uh, move, you're going to have to... And knowing that you need to have it inflicted upon you, and a lot of them are... Moves which will very nearly kill you, mm. so it's quite challenging in itself just to collect all the enemy skills. A lot of them, as well, are defensive moves, so you have to use the manipulate
2: materia which Make lets you them cast exactly, you. lets you control an enemy. And this is the, the thing look, when I was a kid, I just put any materia on anyone and
0: never really think <laughs> twice about it. I remember it. staking all in combination with anything at all. I've, I might have even put all and all together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all is a, a, a support materia that you can put in a linked materia slot with, for example, fire, and it'll cast fire on all the enemies. And there, you are normally
1: only attack one at a time.
2: Totally. And there are some really, really brilliantly in-depth like materia combinations. Like You take something like added effect, Materia, and combine it with the Odin Summon Materia and put it in your weapon, which means your weapon has a chance of inflicting instant death. And this is stuff that you have to find out for yourself by trying different combinations of Materia. Mm-hmm. And say you take, you know, fire. And A good example is I have Master Magic paired with Quadra Magic, which is something that lets you use a spell four times for the MP cost of one time. So I have that. I have an ultimate, Ultima materia paired with MP absorb, and I have another Ultima materia paired with Magic Counter. So when an enemy hits Cloud, he because the Magic Counter materia is Master D, pretty much, he's an eighty percent rate to counter attack automatically with four castings of Ultima, which has MP absorb linked to it too, which means he casts it for no MP.
1: See, part of my wishes that I wasn't in this game as a kid because I could see me sitting explaining this to my mum
0: <laughs> while she made dinner I and her th- going... I think we might have lost the uh, football, <laughs> FIFA, <laughs> the <laughs> football. <laughs> and we had them. We had them when they were in the gone hand again. Yeah, Quadra magic. Yeah,
2: I
1: mean, <sighs> you see, like, in FIFA, you can kick it
2: short. <laughs> or or you how, can kick how do you it You double tap
1: I, 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 for can, man on, for
2: man on, we
0: man, the whole tap? Like,
1: when you're crossing it, you can cross it in the air, Sort of and then the, Od- uh, Odin comes down and the cuts the ball in half. Uh,
0: half time, you have to kick the other way.
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> and, <you laughs> know, that's when it gets really like. <laughs> so th- you know through through the materia system, finding what works for even different characters. Like I played this time where Cloud had mostly summon materia because certain types of materia have certain stat gains and stat cuts. Like so, you have a chance to. With later Final Fantasy games, a lot of the characters at high levels became carbon copies of one another, I feel. Final Fantasy X is a pretty bad example of that, as every character just Mm. basically becomes the same character with the same...
0: A a lot of people tell me the um, grid system, is the sphere grid system, is the best system in any Final Fantasy game. I say, hmm, because exactly as you say, everyone just becomes the exact same, and... I think that's a shame that, like, you should still have the feeling that certain characters are still a class, even if it's not a straight. Like, at no point does Final Fantasy VII imply that anyone is of a certain class, which is just another thing that it's moved away from conventions in other JRPG systems. But
1: um, I think it strongly implies that, like, Barrett's your fighty guy, and Aeris is
2: your healer.
0: Oh, there are. Yeah, there are.
2: There are base stats, but they're less and less implied as you go on. Like this, like I think the best caster in the game is Vincent, next to Aeris, who obviously can't use because she dies. But the person but like... What? <laughs> so, but I mean, you wouldn't think Vincent is a, a like a, a vampire with a metal arm and a gun. You
0: wouldn't think he was the best caster, but <laughs> I know there is at least one person pure fuck rage and right. he's not a vampire we're we're joking to that you. one guy who's annoyed we're joking because he's a werewolf he then he turns into a guy with a chainsaw as well he does I only wish Nico could have seen it. I know one of, of his
2: limit breaks is he turns into a guy with a hockey mask and a chainsaw this, this sounds intriguing I'll never ever see it you'll never <laughs> see it and so yeah so it's like that I mean you get you you get back what you put in with the materials or something. It's as mm. much fun as you're willing to have like, with it, but. it.
0: It is. It is a brilliant example of what so many people, uh, when making games, want to achieve and very often fail to do. That they, uh, if you don't want to study how to do any of the complicated uh, status-related things that it can achieve. It's fine. You will understand fire, attack with fire, fire too, stronger than fire. No. And you get that. And you will be able to finish it, but it will be such a bonus to you through it if you do go further into it. And it feels like it's worth figuring out these combinations. Absolutely. But it's not, the game isn't going to punish you for not having that interest.
2: It's, a lot of people, like, the, the thing I like the most is, like I said, with different material combinations, you get different armor attributes, different weapon attributes. And a lot. I think a lot of people think the Final Fantasy VIII system works a lot better, because in Final Fantasy VIII, you junction a certain amount of spells to one of your stats. Like, you junction a hundred Ultima spells to your strength. I think I might strength. just
1: stop you before
2: you... Sit and explain another weapon system. we'll no, Just, no, no, we'll just no, go no.
1: and say that. No,
3: Final
2: no. Fantasy dead, good. well, I- this is important. <laughs> no, this is actually important. The reason that Final Fantasy 8 system doesn't work is because the game's not balanced to support the system. It's too easy. Like, right. if you know what you're doing in Final Fantasy VIII, it is too easy. You can be a total tank by the end of disc one, and you will be one shot in bosses. It's not in Final Fantasy. VIII, it's supposed to be balanced. That's the game where they made the enemies scale with whatever your level is don't need to grind we've made them scale with you but it's not balanced there's no balance in a lot of those games whereas final fantasy 7 still manages to be balanced because a, something again that they got rid of after ff7 was breaking the damage limit the most damage you can do in final fantasy 7 is 9999 in one attack but from 8 onwards they got rid of that and you can do like 20,000 damage with a hit. and it just they lost the balance after that i think
1: I like the way Barry waved his arms around when he said 20,000 damage. And I kind of hope that that's the
2: graphic that comes up in subsequent well, totally, Final Fantasy games. I mean, you 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 may think it's stuffy and boring, but it all feeds back into the fact that it takes the bullshit out of grinding. The biggest fucking complaint people have about JRPGs, oh fucking grinding, man. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, fucking peel back some of the layers, like see what goes into the the mechanics of the gameplay and then you might see that grinding's not so bad after all. Mm. And once you know how to work the materia system, and once you know what you're doing, and actually have some fun with it, you'll never need to spend three hours fighting random encounters so you can beat a boss. I mean,
0: my playthrough is testament to the fact that grinding is not necessary at all. Because if I can run (coughs) through the game without a... Yeah, like I didn't I couldn't waste 5 minutes going through battles. I didn't I was going straight to every location that I was meant to. But if you just complete any battles that show up as they come along, even going in a straight line if you know exactly where you're going, that will be enough. But a a big advantage as well was just having a knowledge of the materia system beyond fire hot attack with fire because you can give yourself such a boon by just knowing what you're doing
2: hmm.
0: it's one of the many many reasons
2: why Final Fantasy 7 is the best Final Fantasy game
0: if not if, if not <laughs> the best game
2: like oh.
0: a game that is I lured him in because I wasn't brave enough what really amazed me playing it through and especially considering I was rushing through it Was I couldn't believe that the emotional moments were still able to hit because you know I know the game so well that you know how it is if you know something well enough the emotional impact of a lot of things that could be lost over like it just many years have passed I know there's a lot of stuff that I used to like that I now see is just melodramatic. Rubbish that mm. you know, uh, you, you grow out of, but stuff like Catsith's sacrifice, I, like, I couldn't believe it was still affecting me, and all those side stories like, um, Barrett and Dine from uh, Coral, their backstory when you find them in the Coral prison, and mm. Just so many moments. In fact, when I realised the game was still able to affect me, it was pretty early on when it's telling... Uh, it's Ares's adoptive mother talking about raising Ares and uh, how Ares had let her know that her husband wasn't going to be returning from the war before there was even official word of it and she receives the letter and the music it, it, it was still I, I felt myself st- yet again letting my horrible cold heart <laughs> just open up and letting that world and i character, those characters back in again and just welcoming them back fully and just the music so what you're saying is, is that final fantasy 7 taught you to love yes <laughs> oh
2: it did, <laughs> <laughs> but well, music. The, <laughs> aye, the music is great. It's the best Final Fantasy score, and um, one of the longest as well. I think, but it's it's great. One of the one of the few game soundtracks that I actually own. That's how much I like it.
1: Um, well, one of the great details about this is uh, just before the recorder sitting downstairs, and was telling Barry's parents that we were going to talk about Final Fantasy VII. Then Barry's dad just pipes on and goes, that music, over and over again, all the time." <laughs> All the time, that music.
0: I wonder what music he meant. Like, I don't oh, know. He definitely I'm... meant the um, Gold Saucer tune, just blaring on repeat forever. Yeah, he maybe did actually.
1: That or it might be like, I really liked, um, uh, like after a battle, like when it tells you like your XP and stuff like uh-huh. that. Now, I don't know if this was just like the system I was playing the game on, but like, uh, there was a lot of sort of processor slowdowns, so like that tune ended up sort of sounding like there was a real sort of pushed beat in it. Oh, no, it's uh, no. not happening on the original <laughs> one. Oh, well, it, it made me think the music was a lot more clever than it is, but it's pretty raging otherwise. Yeah, I see. So, yeah, what a...
2: so I think, I think. Well, you're not sold on it. I think it's probably one of our
1: well, one of our faves. Like I was saying, like, I can see why. Game that i like it. A, I can see why it now. would sucker you in, but that, sucker, that, sucker, that, oh, so sucker grudging. Not, I, well, I didn't mean that. I can see also. why
2: you idiots would love <laughs> this shite uh, game.
1: That sort of that sort of like level of melodrama and anime sort of storyline it, it doesn't do a lot for me generally. Um, well, so it. I'm going to loser, I'm gonna
0: but... be talking about uh, the anime side of things when we move on to the Advent Children. The inevitable oh, Advent Children takes talk. us on to the the legacy.
1: game. Um, it was a big hit, 1997, millions of copies sold, third biggest selling game of the
2: PlayStation era. Did they just leave it alone after that? They left it alone for a long time. and To their credit. They did. They managed to keep their hands off it for a while, and then unfortunately there came a thing called the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, which came around in the mid-2000s. Um, this was made up of a lot of different media the biggest part of that being uh, advent children which is a direct sequel uh, a cg movie mm-hmm. which takes place um after the after the the events of the game but apart from that we were also given some games in the form of a uh, dirge of cerberus and which was for ps2 and dirge of cerberus lost episode which was a mobile game and these were games that focused around vincent and lots of horrendous, bishy characters, but we'll get back to that, we'll get back to that. The other stuff we got was uh, Crisis Core um, and Before Crisis. Crisis Core, a PSP game. Before Crisis, another mobile game, and these were set before. So are these all in the same world as Final Fantasy VII? Same world, same timeline. Advent Children, Dirge Cerberus stuff set after Crisis Core and Before Crisis set beforehand. And they all RPGs? and no of Cerberus is a weird kind of third person shooter and um, Crisis Core's kind of an RPG it's like a
0: yeah it's got a battle system and you walk around it's
2: they're not JRPGs they're not traditional JRPGs but um
0: Crisis Core would be closer in gameplay to Kingdom Hearts than yeah. a traditional JRPG
1: of Cerberus sounds like a Castlevania game when you said that vampire guy was in it I was kind of hoping it was a Castlevania a vampire <laughs> well as far as I'm aware he's definitely a vampire his ah, right? name's Vincent well, Valentine you vampire, do find you know, him in a sense. coffin
0: you do So, like, I think if anyone and he did, floats
2: yeah. out of the coffin like. yeah
0: that's, so he's I'll... either a vampire or a magic pervert isn't a vampire just a magic pervert is, isn't that what a vampire is I find that very racist towards vampires I'm sorry and I apologise to your Romani
2: background <laughs> <laughs> um, so apart from the games, and we got some other stuff. We got a uh, Last Order, which was uh, an OVA, an anime OVA, which retold part of the FF Seven storyline. And uh, on the way to a Smile, which was a, a collection of novellas.
3: Uh...
2: I know, I know. So
0: a big problem with oh, where do you even start? Where do you? Okay, I I know where to start. Uh, with Advent Children, seeing as that was the the first kind of big, it's coming back.
2: The the biggest thing that Tetsuya Nomura squeezed out of his cock at that point, <laughs> <laughs> of the many things that he squeezed, squeezed out, squeezed a few things. Out the of the cock tone's
0: out. been set. <laughs>
1: um, I'm getting the impression you don't like this. We'll take a little
0: one. When him. when I first heard the news, like uh, you know. With video game news, you hear very early on that there's anything happening, like the little snippet of a logo and the words out. And so it was quite a while before the movie actually came out that I'd heard a full CG movie sequel to Final Fantasy VII is on the way. And I remember reading the news and... Will I say that I wept? There was... (laughs) Did you you do a jig? I I touched a good weep or a bad weep. No, I I touched my eye and it was wet, but I there were no tears on my cheeks. So some, some of my raw masculinity remained intact, um, but I was so happy. I I couldn't think about it being bad. That that didn't. I didn't worry about it being bad. I didn't think about it. All that mattered was like there's a Final Fantasy Seven movie happening. What else do I need to know? I, I I wasn't interested in anything other than having it and seeing it. Mm. I was so excited about it. And it's actually taken quite a while for me to fully accept that it's not good. Even after I'd seen it, there wasn't an initial Disappointment. I I told myself for quite a while that I mean I certainly bought it enough times. I own it on UMD for oh, I'm right. annoyed any. Oh yeah. I was gonna make a joke about watching it on UMD, <laughs> but I don't need
1: that. I don't think I ever
0: watched it on UMD, but I certainly like, owned it.
1: This sounds like the sort of cognitive fuzz that surrounded a lot of Star Wars fans walking out of Phantom Menace the mm. first time. So, that
0: was that was fine. Y- yeah it was pretty much i mean there's certainly overlaps there and uh... it's weird in that they managed to continue
2: this there there's definitely a vibe runs through all the compilation of Final Fantasy VII stuff but it is not a vibe that is even remotely related to the original mm. game it's like
0: they do seem to work together Aye. but just not with the game and i asked myself if that was just because I have an idea of what the game is, you know, because of mixed feelings with nostalgia and you know pers- like how I feel about the game, maybe that's skewing my view, and this actually does fit in Ros, but you know haven't replayed it it's just no it's far and away, just tonally and the the meaning and the and all the characters which all I'm sure right, we will
2: get on, but what's going on that right now? The the, cha- the the character destruction that is compilation of Final Fantasy VII. Everything that they'd established of those characters over the course of Final Fantasy VII just fucked in a bin. <laughs> you, you, have, you have this basic, basic decline in the quality of characters, and by the time the compilation of Final Fantasy VII rolls around, you just have numerous retcons with the FF um storyline, and they're adding in all these characters that are just total bishy Pretty boy filler characters in Before Crisis, like and like Angel in Genesis, like Angel's like the original owner. The whole oh, sorry was that a frustrated grunt or a sexual one? It's very
1: difficult no. to tell from here.
0: Well, I mean, it's very difficult when <laughs> when you see these character designs because you hate them, but they're so damn pretty. <laughs> uh, no, Angel. <sighs> Ex- explain, explain the Buster Sword. Yeah. Oh, like. Okay.
2: Cloud has a sword. It's a big sword. It's the most iconic, one of the most iconic images related to F.S.A. Your main menu,
0: you'll see it there. Mm. And it's, I mean, everyone knows the Buster Sword as soon as they see it. I would say the Buster Sword is as iconic as whatever Zelda's sword is called. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know it's Link, all right? That one guy (laughs) is raging again, right? You know it's the shield that's iconic, right? Oh, right, yeah. Again, I was just tricking Barry there. I I think it's called the Tree Force. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there was a big tree. "Ah, Yeah, I'll buy that. That's Kirby you're thinking of. (laughs) But the the sword does have um, an important part in the story of the game, Final Fantasy VII, the original one, because um, Cloud believes that he's got a a past, the the past that you see in Cam, which turns out to not quite be the truth. (gasps) And um, his memories have become somewhat entwined with another person who was there at the same time. Nico's looking... <laughs> uh-huh. No. I I was I was just about on top of it. I was nearly there. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. It's all right. <sighs> Cloud had a friend called Zack and uh Zack had that sword. Right. That's um, that yeah. It's important to note the
2: NFF7 the Buster sword is Zack's sword. Yeah. That's where Cloud gets o- okay, it. Okay. And
0: after Zack is downed by Sephiroth, uh-huh. Cloud Take Zack Sword, and goes to take care of business, right. and that's the origin of that's how that pl- yes, sword. Yes, yes. And uh,
2: so, what? There's more. Well, like, well, this is this is the unfortunate thing. Zack is the main character
0: of Crisis Core, the prequel, the PSP prequel. Okay, but the introduce so Cloud having Zack Sword throughout Seven is important in the way that it's kind of like a constant reminder of this was actually Zack's weapon Cloud is taken up Zack's past Zack's uh, profession and so on and uh, that's kind of what it symbolizes throughout 7 once you know those things but in bef- uh, crisis core oh yeah sorry crisis core they changed the uh, they changed the story of the sword Okay. for For no reason, it's like they just give Zack the the basically the same story. Some other guy owns the sword, and then the other <laughs> guy dies, and Zack has the sword and I just can't wrap my head around why you would introduce that plot element because that seems to imply that they want you to play Final Fantasy Seven, knowing. That was Angel Sword. <laughs> R.I.P. Angel. Miss you, big man. You see, the most incredible
1: thing is, is that Owen's falling apart before my very eyes. I really want to get up and give him a cuddle because he's <laughs> just—he can't like. It's cheapened everything, knowing that Zach's just this Russian doll inside a Russian doll of a hero, and <laughs> and it and it's meaningless. It's like it's like all those hours, all those hours, all your childhood. <laughs> if you, if you think- it's meaningless, Final Fantasy VII taught you to love, and Crisis Core taught you to hate.
2: <laughs> with, with FF7 you're given Sephiroth you're given the the he was put on a pillar by teenage fangirls for years but then with how yeah, uh, did they know it was actually Genova totally <laughs> it was Genova you put on that pedestal but with the compilation you're introduced to Genesis who is a character based on He's bi- he is gacked he's just basically the is gacked. J-Rock star gacked that they've just it's, gacked's, into face, it's his gacked's face gacked's clothes
0: gacked I've, of
2: course the star of Bajingai the greatest PSD game ever
0: I am I wrong in thinking that gacked did the voice of
2: he, Genesis uh, in
0: the Japanese one I might be wrong I know he did the
2: music for Dorja Cerberus did he not
0: yeah <laughs> he did when it got Cool. So uh, you can
2: see where this is going. You can see why it's like, yeah. But before all this happened, there were these pretty antagonists, and but the way that, the worst thing is, where we won't speak much about Durga Cerberus, I don't think <laughs> just because it's the super fan wanky, like people that you killed in FF Seven coming back to life is like
0: it was. It's like Hojo, not a computer program. Oh, they come through the internet. So wait minute, like, <laughs> you, you, re, you remember the internet from Final Fantasy VII, of course? <laughs> wait, I just want to clear something on
1: now. I know we've, we've, we've tapped onto something else that's obviously disturbed you greatly, but this Gakth guy, right? right? So if I understand this correctly, they, it's like if they retold Lord of the Rings, but Sauron, Sauron was played by Justin Bieber, is that what's happening here?
2: Well, if there was a prequel where young right. Sauron no it wouldn't even be Sauron because it'd be another antagonist that was never mentioned in Lord of the Rings it's a prequel to Lord of the Rings where there is an antagonist bigger than Sauron so Sauron's but boss is Justin Bieber aye not right. even his boss just an unre- fucking unrelated
1: just tenuous and no one in Square thought this might undermine the connection that people no, have no, to no don't worry me.
0: about it because we know how to make him an interesting character We'll have him read poetry.
1: That's a that's a lot of
0: emotional depth. Actually, I'm kind of feeling a bit more. And it's strong-made. just it, like it's the most. <laughs> I can't. I'm just remembering some of the lines that he reads out, and it's just so rubbish. Tell us about so it. So
2: rubbish. When when Lovelace makes its brief appearances in Final Fantasy VII, mm. like that part where Sid talks about and it's absolutely incredible. It is. It's amazing. It's one of the one of the best scenes of the game. But then okay, we'll put we'll put Loveless in a crisis core. And
0: then no one will be able to complain. I know, but it's just fucking nonsense, like. So they ruined it. See, I mean, it almost <laughs> the the connection funny enough, the connection of Loveless to both the games almost Perfectly encompasses the problems because when Lovelace, the play, is brought up in Final Fantasy VII, it's such a charming, like, fun scene mm. where it's Sid, Sid, the pilot character, mm. is trying to rally the troops basically, and he doesn't know how to do it because he's not a leader. He's he's been thrown into the responsibility, and he quotes Lovelace in it. Desperate attempt to <laughs> try and get people on the side, but he admits that he fell asleep throughout the play and he had no idea what it meant. Right. But he just wants to quote anyway, like, with any luck, that'll get everyone on board. And it's just like, it's typical of Sid to <laughs> do that and like, everyone's on the side, and then they realize, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and everyone kind of collapses again. And it's just a bit of fun, but when Loveless is used in Crisis Core, it's pure wanky, just this guy is gacked, he's attractive, he's reading lines, and he's getting real close to the mic, and he's talking about love, unrequited love and the gift of the goddess. And you can just feel everyone getting all swoony and melty, and but it's piss. (laughs) That's that's, But it's it's such shallow, cheap, rubbish writing. It's just like it. it, It's meaningless. When Sid talks about it in Final Fantasy VII, you get part of his character from it. When Genesis talks about it in uh, Crisis Core you get someone who doesn't know what this character is and just trying to put some characterization in, just like, oh, he likes that play. But Crisis, there's nothing there. Crisis Core, unfortunately, Crisis Core is not a bad
2: game. Like, right, because so I was going to ask, it seems like you've both played all of these games that
1: you well, hate I've, to completion. Well, I've not it.
2: played Dirge Cerberus because Dirge Cerberus is apparently <laughs> terrible. But Crisis Core is not bad. It's not a great game, but it's not bad. You know what? I think it it, it diminishes your enjoyment. Everything in the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, the only purpose it serves is to diminish your overall enjoyment of Final Fantasy VII. Which
1: is why I think we spent altogether too long talking about these games that we don't like. And what we should say is is there any chance that uh, Final Fantasy VII is going to come back in a slightly more playable form to uh, address the concerns? There's been
2: remake rumours ever since the PS3 tech demo, which was like the opening scene. All right. um, There's been constant remake rumours, but whether that... It'll happen eventually, but it shouldn't happen because we have people at the helm of Square now who are going to remake a Final Fantasy VII that will be more to do with the compilation of Final Fantasy VII material mm. than it will have to do with the source material. So you've got no faith that it'll be as good
1: as that um, Chrono Trigger remake that went on the DS or anything like that no?
2: Well, that's just... I mean, that's... The thing is like if they put out a slightly enhanced this is going to be a full remake, you know what I mean this isn't going to be like an enhanced port. Right. Like they will remake this game from the ground up and it will be terrible. So you've
1: got you've got no uh, optimism about a remake. It'll
2: happen. It'll absolutely 100% happen but it will not be good.
0: Like I definitely do think it could work if they did something almost closer to like Final Fantasy 9's look mm. in the world like just keep that slightly cartoony. they've got bigger heads and smaller bodies, but just like in more updated graphics, but do hold on to some of that cartoonist, but there's no way they'll do that because it's just about these pretty dolls walking around now, and if there was anything to be done with Final Fantasy VII, the only thing that I would really like just fix the translation, if just the translation was fixed I would Absolutely buy that up. I'd be delighted with that. And, you know, maybe if you wanted to throw in orchestral masters of the score, but, I mean, all, oh, practically all that music has been done orchestrally yeah, totally. since then. But definitely just because the biggest problem with the game is the translation and the poor grammar. So um, how can people play this now if they want to? Before
1: this uh, remake comes along and ruins everything.
2: You can get a hold of a a physical copy pretty cheap. Just play it on your PS3. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I did. There are a few issues on the PS3 with slowdown. Um, It has an issue with some of the audio as well, but it works 90% well playing an original on PS3. Um, There's a Steam version, which you can get for your PC right now, which, I say out of the box, like it comes out of a box. The music is horrible, really bad. Mm-hmm. Like the the PC releases didn't they were just MIDI files, right? They just ran on your MIDI sound set, and the, for the Steam release, it's some weird music, like weird sound engine they've used, and it's just not right. They've obviously you can you know they've they've taken the they've taken the MIDI data for the PlayStation stuff, and they've just dumped it into another engine, not done anything to it, yeah, and it sounds horrible. So you you can pick up the the Steam version, and it has stuff like achievements, and like I said, it has that. I think you have an option to save it anywhere or something, and it has a cash shop where you can buy levels up and stuff like that. And It's playable, though. You know, It looks kind of nice, and you can patch in the original PlayStation music. There's guides for that online, which we'll link to after this episode. Um, but the best way to do it is like either pick it up on PSN or just get a disc and play it. You can play it on the Vita as well. You can get it on PSN on the Vita.
1: And uh, I'm assuming you would both recommend that people do that. Uh, Go on, why not? I would actually recommend it as well. Like, um, like I said, it's not a game that is particularly compelling to me, but I can see why it's so important. I can see why people are, are so into it, and the scope of it. And like, there is, there is even just like that sort of nostalgia for me, because like I say, I was on the outside looking in, but you could see what. Uh, An event it was in gaming. like It was a global phenomenon. Um, It did feel like things were moving on. It did feel like, right, put aside the last generation. We're in PlayStation now. PlayStation Mm. has won and destroyed the world. Here it is. And uh, I think it's valuable for people to to go and experience that.
2: Very valuable. Huge game as well. And there's a lot to... I think if you're willing to really spend time with it. Um, But, again... There are a lot of people that have problems with random encounters and grinding, so I'm not going to say I'm not going to say you're going to find it a different experience <laughs> from anything else that you hated random encounters in. But if you're well in it,
0: I t- will the say that I am not at all a JRPG fan. I dislike JRPGs. Oh, that's, good. that's the shock twist at the end. <laughs> but Final <laughs> Fantasy, Fantasy VII, it's just it's constantly throwing things at you that are just so charming, so unique. They read this Despite all the influence it's had, there's still nothing anywhere near as special as it. I would even if you don't like it, I do think it's one of those things that you should play it and play it through to the end. <laughs> and with that glowing recommendation
1: that I'm going to ignore in my ears, uh <laughs> I think that's us wrapped up for Final Fantasy VII. Uh, let us move on. We're going to have a little bit of a musical break, and when we come back, we're going to hear from you.
2: So this month, uh, we, given that we are doing an RPG, we wanted to know... where. Uh, have any of you ever enhanced or utterly ruined a game by changing the main characters' names? And uh Nichols Nichol, the way Nichols worded the question, has Pooh Face ever saved the world? Pooh Face. Is that, that's your you're not allowed to answer now because Pooh Face is your answer. Oh, I I really
1: don't have much of an answer. I, I, look I don't play a lot of RPGs, I haven't done this. Oh, I
2: guess so, I guess so. So I was we, just
1: imagining what what you would have done. I tried to put myself into your shoes and Pooh Face
0: came out. Pooh Face Pooh Face.
2: That is poor. It's very poor.
1: You don't it think
0: it's cute? Pooh with a H would have been cute. Oh, oh that would have been cute.
2: Oh same. Um <laughs> Graham Gallagher first up says changed Ares's name to that of my exes when I was fifteen. I think a lot of people we split up, then I felt a lot better at the end of this one. There's <laughs> there's there's a lot of chronology in here that I
1: don't know. Like, did he name Eris? After an ex-girlfriend, or did he name after a girl
2: he was going out with, and then she split up with him in the course of the game? I think it was a girl he was going out with, because it, I'm surprised that a lot of people that were playing FF7 at the time had girlfriends. Like That's, that. yeah. That's surprising.
1: I don't know, he's quite a handsome man. He's quite handsome.
2: But um, I think a lot there was a lot of that, like, I'm going to name the female character after the girl I like. Well, it's a pretty
1: ballsy play because you meet Tifa first, and she's quite clearly the love interest first. I think I think it was, it's possible this was an ex-girlfriend, and he knew
2: the big shock and twist. Think mm. he maybe had two lasses on the go, and then one of them came round and was like, Who, "Who's that you've got in your party? Who, who's that other woman? Yeah, who's cause... Claire? That's uh, that's her name. That's her name in the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Cloud Barrett and Claire. So that's, that's her name, honest." Debbie
1: Timmins writes. I named everyone in Final Fantasy Seven after characters from Buffy.
3: Yes.
2: It got Yes. B- no.
1: Yes. <laughs> no. I'm so into this. It got a bit weird when Willow fell in love with Spike, then died. Now, you say it got a wee bit weird. I think there's reams and reams of material on the internet where well, that's not weird. Well so, that's just exactly what happened. I'm
2: sure isn't isn't there probably a lot of stuff on the internet where Aerith falls in love with Spike as <laughs> well. There's oh there's probably also excuse, there's probably a
1: surprising amount of material about Red Thirteen being uh, very much into like the Buster Blade I don't know
2: Buster Blade what's it called <laughs> Buster Blade It's like a boy's name like
0: oh it's Buster Sword isn't it mm-hmm. Yay! The, the Buster Blade. Um, Chris Spann says that in Final Fantasy VII, he named Tifa after his mum. Oh. And he hasn't slept since what happens at the edge of the Northern Crater. Oh dear.
1: I haven't got to the Northern Crater. Do they, do they, they hold hands?
0: They uh, hold hands aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> they hold hands all night. Guy Woodward next says, Always a swear word, but I was wee
2: and had limited knowledge of cursing, so you had shite, shit, fuck, and fucker. Fucker's a pretty good name for a, a protagonist. <laughs> fucker. Fucker. Uh, fucker,
1: we have to save the planet. In Final Fantasy VIII, a 13-year-old me writes Graham White, renamed Renoa's yeah. dog Spunky, just because it sounded funny.
2: This is relatable for me. I, I also I, I named i named Angelo, the dog's called Um, I named Angelo Bum and like Angelo has a bunch of moves that's like Angelo Cannon so Angelo Cannon became Bum Cannon Graham goes on to say
1: gameplay was ultimately enhanced when the dog was able to use moves that had its name in it moves like Spunky Cannon Spunky Rush Spunky Strike always (laughs) raised a smile
2: (laughs) Spunky Cannon Spunk would have been funnier Spunk Cannon would have been just plain old Spunk would have
0: been fine Let's Hug Bro says Pretty much any bog standard name will make the end of Ocarina of Time funny as fuck. Curse you, Zelda. Curse you, Sages. Curse you, Keith. That kind of works. That's that's, very that's fair. That's pretty good.
1: <laughs> Which again, like, makes me wonder about the chronology. Did Let's Hug Bro like start his game sort of going this this character, this elf, this this child that's going to be thrust at a man's world. That's a Keith. Elf. That's that's a Keith fucking <laughs> <laughs> like at elf that's a fairy then alright oh, oh, there's big differences elf yeah, he's
0: um, a H- H- Hyrulean he's
2: a Hylian Hylian come on guys <laughs> Um. next up Evil Ninja Phil says currently naming all my characters in games Axel Foley not sure why but it makes me happy, makes well, me happy it makes too. me happy
1: too. makes um, me happy Jenny Patterson says I played right through Final Fantasy V with the lead character called Deldo." Not even sure why. Why?
2: Why we would you away. even rename him? As, his name's Butts in that translation. <laughs> it's like you wouldn't
0: rename Butts to Deldo. Butts is already funny, funny enough. Like Evil Ninja Phil says, that his Saturn Worms team was legendary. Dave Napalm, Troy Violence, Tony Knife, and Barry Chainsaw. Happy days. That's, <laughs> see,
1: that's better, because um, yeah. we know that Phil is English rather than Scottish, but if you're Scottish, then oh, that's a Barry tunesaw, Phil. Is he English? Eh? Yeah. I know he
2: lives in England, but I just... Well, maybe he's not. Maybe he knows exactly what he was doing. Luke O'Brien says, Calling a up my cock in Twilight Princess garnered a great deal of I washed my cock for you, lines. <laughs> Definite <laughs> enhancement. It's route it, one,
1: but it works. It
2: does work, it does work.
1: Um, we've also got... Uh, Quill Zendrigo saying uh, at 8 my friends and I main- named the main character in Pokemon I'm dumb Oh-ho. at that age we thought it was the pinnacle of comedy and you know what Quill you were right
2: last one from Alistair Mick says named Link oh Christ in Ocarina of Time in Majora's Mask entertaining to her Navi go oh Christ 3D target using the Z trigger <laughs> Thanks, pretty good I'll oh got Christ I like that one.
3: Oh. Oh, yeah pig. oh yeah oh yeah bandit
2: <laughs> gonna be naming all my characters oh yeah pig from now on <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah pig 3D
3: target
1: using the Z trigger. Oh. Get get an option to make them all run like they need a piss. Mm.
0: Oh, you pig! Will never laugh, cry, or get angry again.
2: <laughs> 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 That's a. a, a, a generally, I, I was asking a lot of people when I played through FF7 on the PC recently. I was asking people for suggestions to what I could call my characters. Um, the first playthrough I did, Cloud was called 420. Smoke weed. <laughs> and, uh, Barrett was called 420 Smock Wed. So, but then the other playthrough I had suggestions like someone suggested a call cloud Mr. Milk, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> so there's a lot of
0: potential in it. There's, of course, the great comedy playthrough where you name every single character Sephiroth, uh. leading to very many confusing but humorous conversations, including is Sephiroth a girl being asked by Sephiroth to another Sephiroth <laughs> is Sephiroth a girl friend? yep there's there's jealousy of what in the Sephiroth camp um,
2: I, I'm sure it was, I have a lot of horrible FF7 playthrough names when I was wee I think one that a lot of people did was everyone thought they were incredibly clever and called Red 13 something like Blue 11 or something bullshit <laughs> like that I'm sure I did that at one point I get or, it. Like, oh, I, I get know, it. I know. Actually, uh, I can't believe I'm going to admit this. I named Aerith on that playthrough I just did right there. Oh, I oh like, you pig. And I, I kept forgetting about it, and every time it comes up at the end when they talk about it and that, I'm like, oh, yeah, fucking really like forgot about it. Don't know why. A moment of weakness. Moment of weakness. sold out, man. I did, man. I sold out. Like I might as well just fucking go and play Durga Cerberus now. That's me. You showed us.
0: Then we can talk about how good it was. Oh, totally.
1: You I might know. as well have renamed Clouds and Gil. Not cur- Curado. That's what I was going to call.
2: It. <laughs> so that's it. Thanks everyone for getting in touch. Um, that's pretty much about all we got time for. Um, we hope you've enjoyed the special. I mean. We did talk about Final Fantasy 7 for a long time. And if you've not played it, I really hope you are going to. Because if you like games of that sort of scope, I, I really, really think you should play it because it's a lot of
1: fun. I hope you'll all join us in congratulating Owen and thanking him wholeheartedly for coming here and improving our podcast and
0: destroying future oh podcasts <laughs> by making them I was, terrible in comparison. I was delighted to be involved because I think this podcast is... Really good if I can butter you up, just a little. Oh. One more go. Oh. It's up there. Me and Barry are holding hands now and just
2: green. I never hold your hand. So to that's play us I'm out, reading. we're just going to take some FF Seven music, um, which we've not decided on yet. Because how do you how choose? do you choose? I mean, really, you can just play the entire soundtrack at the end of the podcast. It? So be that's great. what we're going to do. Thank you, copyright lawyers, uh, right to Barry. So yeah, here's something. Uh,
0: what do you think it's going to be? Should we put in some predictions? I could. If I could pitch the music from the observatory room, Mm. when they're learning about the... I was thinking about pitching Ropeway Station. That's damn good. Also there's just Sid's team.
1: I would pick the sort of uh, swampy surf thing when you're catching a Chocobo.
2: That's good too. (sighs) Anyway, here's unspecified song. From Final Fantasy 7 And we will be back Next month For our With Christmas Yay, Yay! Ho ho ho